my kids are kids. They're going to throw tantrums. They're not going to cooperate sometimes. I'm not going to sit and pretend that we're perfect and I'm doing it right. And I know there are times I'm doing it so wrong, but I hope my kids recognize that I fail at some stuff too. And lesson learned, let's move on and try again the next day. And I kind of think that's what life is all about. Hey, everybody. Atomic Moms is a weekly parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our little ones and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and I celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and caregivers all over the world in order to share their unique stories in the universal experience of raising a child. Find us on social media at Atomic Moms, like our Facebook page or Twitter or Instagram. Check out our website, AtomicMoms.com, and subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Okay, was that enough homework for you? (laughs) On a daily basis, now that I have a toddler, I'm grateful for the fact that I was never successful enough as an actress to be followed around by paparazzi. Last week, I had a humiliating moment. (laughs) And it wasn't caught on camera, so I can totally deny it. I'll share it here. I'll pretend like it's fiction. If you bring it up and we ever meet, I'm totally going to deny it, though. Okay, I was sitting at the kitchen table. My daughter was in her playroom. I was answering a text. Uh, It was child-related. Yes, parents should not be on their phones, and here is the PSA why. So for the first time ever, my daughter figured out how to open the front door, so I just hear the door open. So I put down my phone, I run out there, and my daughter has found the small potty that is by our front door. Why is there a small potty by our front door? Uh, Because I take a small potty with us to the park and because I hadn't gotten around to putting the potty back in the trunk of the car. So yes, if you walked past our house, you would just see this little white Bjorn potty. Obviously, I'm not embarrassed enough about it to have uh, done something about it at the time. So anyway, my daughter sees it. She thinks it's a great idea to just like take off her pants and start going potty on our front porch uh, for the whole world to see. I I say, you know, Sabrina, why don't we go inside if you want to go potty? Uh, it's clear that she doesn't actually want to go potty. She just wants to have the experience of uh, pulling down her pants in public. So then she sees daddy. Uh, my husband was installing the car seat in the other car. So she wants to see him. So I hold her hand and I pick up the little potty and we walk down our front steps and we go out onto the sidewalk. Uh, At this moment, I realize I'm not wearing a bra and my T-shirt, it was inappropriate. (laughs) So I'm putting the potty in the car, still holding my daughter's hand when I hear a neighbor say, hey, guys. Uh, And she's walking a dog and the dog is so cute. I mean, he looks like he definitely needs some serious grooming. Uh, It looks like he was cared for very well at at one point in his life, but now he looks a little mangy. But he looks like a really cute, happy dog. Uh, And he's got this little harness and this leash. And the neighbor says, do you know whose dog this is? We're trying to find the owners. It's been hours. Do you know whose dog this is? And I look at the dog again. And I'm so embarrassed since I am like, don't have a bra on. I've got nipples. It's ridiculous. So I'm kind of like trying to cover my chest while holding my daughter's hand. And I realize the dog is our dog. This is Chubbs. We've had this dog since 2006. He was our first baby. He had walked out of the house somehow, like hours before. And I hadn't noticed. (laughs) He's never escaped 
before. And so, you know, we said, oh, I'm so sorry. That's our dog. And then sort of the embarrassment of not realizing that your dog had been missing for hours because your household is so chaotic. Um, To be fair to myself uh, or to the imaginary critics or the tribunal of a-holes in my head, I'll say, our dog does sleep many hours of the day. Like it's totally normal not to see him for a period of time. We take the dog back and um, Sabrina comes back in and the potty's gone and I, I put on some clothes and uh, and we went about our day. But it made me think like my two little children both escaped in one day. And um, I was just so glad I wasn't on a reality series for them to catch that because somebody might be collecting my dog and child right now. You just always got to stay on your toes. Got to stay on your toes. Today, I am interviewing two mamas of the new Bravo series, There Goes the Motherhood, okay? Megan and Stephanie have four kids each. Megan's about to have her fourth baby. Um, And they are honest. They are funny. uh, They take parenting very seriously and have serious fun with it. And they could not be more different as mothers, And we're also joined with Jill Spivak. She is the award-winning pediatric sleep consultant and parenting expert. And so I ask Jill a ton of questions. Um, I want to get as much information out of her as possible for myself and for all of us. And so we talk to the moms about kid-proofing your marriage, uh, some of the drama that comes up on the show, and and about how we can – this sounds so cheesy, but like follow our own mama paths, but basically like – we are each unique individuals and our children are unique as well. And how can we do what's best for our children and sort of ignore societal expectations when necessary uh, or choose a different path from the way we were raised when necessary? And so we talk about that as well. Okay, so stay tuned for this super funny episode that has tons of helpful tips and some wild mom stories. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms and hit us up on social media at Atomic Moms. We'll be right back. Today I have three of the stars of Bravo's unscripted series, There Goes the Motherhood. I love how I just had to say like stars. Like <laughs> gave me the I'm so cheesy. I mean, I've done like 80 podcasts. I don't know why I'm still apologizing to my listeners. <laughs> like my cheese factor. Anyway, okay. So Jill Spivak is a licensed family therapist. Thank God we need her help. Uh, who has completed a postgraduate fellowship as a psychotherapist at Cedar sinai Medical Center, where I had my daughter, Sabrina. Me too. Me too. I had all four of mine. Oh my God. And it's also where Britney Spears had her breakdown. And then... <laughs> Uh, Jill co-wrote, along with our Atomic Moms favorite, mm-hmm. Jennifer Waldberger, the award-winning book and DVD, the, C- Sleep, the Sleep Easy Solution. She has three children, one of which is her dog, Otto, who also <laughs> stars in the show. Yes. He okay. is a critically important child. He is. He is. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> There Goes the Motherhood follows six very different mamas in all stages of parenting who gather for Jill's weekly parenting class. The cameras follow the mamas in class and at home. And of course, there's a lot of drama. And now I'm looking to Jordan, the Bravo publicist for this one. Uh, there's a lot of drama because honestly... 
as a viewer, I'd be super disappointed if there wasn't. Uh, Jill, though, she is the captain of the ship, and she <laughs> helps the mothers grow as parents along the way. And so before I introduce the two beautiful mamas at my side, I want to ask you, Jill, what was your intention in agreeing to do the show? Um, well, both Jennifer and my intention, because we made this decision together, was to um, help to sort of validate the feelings of mothers everywhere of what they go through and to make them, to help them to feel supported along their parenting journey. And we can only see so many people in Los Angeles. We're so lucky in the coastal cities of really LA and New York and that we have these kinds of groups that aren't only play groups, but go much, much deeper and really speak to the heart of what women are going through in all of their relationships, their relationship with themselves, their identity, their career, their relationship with their spouses or their exes and their relationship with their children. So, you know, we are lucky to be able to process those kinds of, of things here in, in LA and in our groups. Um, our moms really value that. And we've, Jenna and I have always wanted to kind of put that out, you know, on a broader scale. And so Bravo gave us that opportunity and we couldn't be more psyched about it. Okay. I'm now going to introduce Megan Conroy Resich. I had to be careful when I said Resich. We both have complicated last names. My husband's last name is Steakyall. There's like a Z and a Y. It's impossible. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. I'm introducing you first, Megan, because I'm afraid that our podcast might be interrupted uh, (laughs) by your labor. You've got a great t-shirt on that's surviving motherhood. Yep. I'm feeling you there. You uh, grew up in Seattle, Mm -hmm. and this is the smallest world ever. You grew up with the Atomic Moms co-founder, Bianca. I did. And your moms still have playdates together. We grew up in a very small little town just outside Seattle, and so we all went to Catholic school together, and her brother is actually one of my good friends. She was a couple years older in school, but um, yeah, our moms still play tennis and Mm -hmm. have wine nights and... (laughs) That's where you got your wine from. So cute. <laughs> yeah, well, it's part of the package deal right. of parenting, I think. Yeah. Um, and so on the show, you are the free-spirited one. You are cracking jokes. You say what's on your mind. You, there, like in the pilot, there's a little bit of, uh, a tiny bit of drama about you uh, referring to your kids as morons and idiots. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I stand by my words, <laughs> uh, and I can't wait to watch throughout the season, like the crazy stuff that goes on in your pool. Uh, <laughs> has a kid ridden a bicycle into your pool yet? Is that in an episode or did I dream that? It's actually quite common in our house. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Waiting for the pool jump or the roof jump into the pool. But. Oh my God. I hope you guys have paramedics on the side. Well, I got in trouble for that comment too. So. What comment? That I did. I had local ER on my speed dial. I actually have nurses who are friends who treat my son quite frequently. (laughs) Okay. And then we've got Stephanie Fair. (laughs) Yeah, you were were prepared. You're prepared. You're thinking ahead. I thought. Okay. You're a free gamer. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so then we've got Stephanie Fair. She also has four kids. She was a child star and a professional singer and a member of Wild Orchids with Fergie. And she's just recently launched a new music label for children called Baby Genius Brands, along with her husband and in collaboration with Sony Records. Yes, I've been involved. I'm involved in it. I'm not like a part owner, but we definitely 
spent the last year I wrote about 75 kids songs you've been busy yes it's been it's been very busy with Ron and it's been a wonderful new adventure I've really loved creating properties for children and music that I actually might want to listen to as well (laughs) because with four kids and you all know some of the music is horrible so (laughs) I was kind of like well hey I you know and it was kind of fun coming from a pop and R&B music background to kind of take what me and Ron do and then um, do music for kids. It's been really fun. And the kids have been involved. And the kids sang on some of the records. And Ella co-wrote a couple songs with me. Oh. Okay, Jill, a lot of our listeners, they're juggling their work life and their home life, and they're stressed out because they're realizing that their priorities are changing. Mm-hmm. And I know that your career has evolved over the years. And so I was wondering if you could give our mamas some advice. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, there's a lot of different situations. And obviously, there are some people that need to work for financial reasons and that may not have as many choices. And so, you know, we can't judge anybody for any decision that they make. You have to look at, you know, what their situation is individually. Um, But I would say what I what I often say to group members is, you know, check your balance temperature on a regular basis. What you start out doing as a new mother may stay the same. You may make a, a decision to stay home. You may, may make a decision to work full time and continue with your career. And that may stay the same or it may change drastically along the way based on anything from financial needs to um, your children's stage of development to just your internal you know, feeling of what's right and what isn't right and what's working and what isn't working. We often joke with first-time moms when your toddler, you know, right now your baby is a baby, when your toddler starts to go, no, mommy, I hate you, then all of a sudden they're like, um, work is not sounding that bad anymore, you know? <laughs> so what do yeah. you say to the moms that are afraid to get back in the game? Like they're afraid of losing the momentum. You know, that they're scared that if I step away from this job and I want to go back in three years when my child is in school, Mm -hmm. I'm afraid the opportunities won't be there for me anymore. Yeah. And again, that's a very real concern, especially in certain careers. You know, we have a lot of people that are attorneys or a lot of people that work in the entertainment business and production, and it really is a bigger decision for those people sometimes than somebody like me who was a therapist who had a lot more flexibility. So some careers warrant more flexibility than others. That being said, I always encourage mothers who are going to step out, but then maybe step back in to try to keep their hand in that business somehow. Even if they're not working, if they can continue to meet with people, have lunches with people, just kind of know what's going on, continue to read about what's going on in their industry, then if they want to step back in at some point, they've stayed connected and they've stayed knowledgeable. And I think that that can sometimes be an entree back in. So, I wanted to ask you all, because we are pre-recording this interview. So last night was the world premiere I am so excited to ask this question. How have your lives changed overnight? Megan, you go first. <laughs> uh, well, I turned my phone off. I just, it, it is a very overwhelming um, sensation because it is constant. Texts and emails and Facebook and I mean it's just I'm not very good with social media anyways but it overnight exploded and you know 
people are coming out of 20 years ago, which is fantastic. And it's great to hear from people. But I'm like, holy smoly, I didn't even know you knew who I was, you know, mm-hmm. back in high school when I was the nerdy little freshman, you know, and all of a sudden we're all like friends. And it's just I think it's going to be a weird um, or uh, a different transition for me personally. Just I don't as big and loud as I can be. I don't broadcast myself you know i'd know megan take I fe- a state back and- yeah and i i'm so curious because uh you are not in the entertainment industry no uh, you're a stay-at-home mom of soon to be four your husband is not in the entertainment industry i mean you guys uh you like you want a pop belly pig and you want, like <laughs> well we want to have like animals and it's like a totally different deal this is you are not uh what i imagine to be like the poster wife of of someone on a Bravo show. So this has got to be a big change for you. It is. And clearly, like I stated in the show last night, I'm the poster child for what not to do in college. You know, go out, <laughs> meet a guy at a bar, and all of a sudden you're married I, with you know four what? kids. Here's what I'll say about that. I don't know if you give yourself enough credit. Amen. We, there you go. We I did don't. all have dinner together. And I've got to say, when I met you, I was like, oh, this girl's awesome. Like, she's so funny and she's just out there. But you're, uh, for our listeners, I do want them to know that you put your children first. Yeah. And you are such a serious mama about you take on that role as mother and you've dedicated your life to it and you're full of jokes and you're full of like all this fun stuff that we really appreciate and love. But I want everybody to know that your number one priority is your children. Well, it is. And I think that in part was how I was raised. I had two parents that were so active and hands-on. And I mean, I had busy parents, but we were given, to be honest, every opportunity in the world by my parents. I mean, they didn't ever discourage us. They never said, no. like, if you wanted to... I don't know, take up croquet or, you know, I mean, something absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. They'd be like, all right, we'll find a way to make it happen. And Mm. we will be at every game and practice. And, you know, I mean, my parents were so incredible with raising, you know, how they really wanted the way I parent is just raising these global children that had every experience at their hands. And then, you could kind of take it and mold it and wherever your interests was, they were like, go, just, they always encouraged us to do it. Mm-hmm. And I hope and to be a free spirit that you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with, you know, I caught a little criticism for the way, you know, my kids are monsters, but what kids aren't at times, you know, my kids, I'm not going to shy away from the fact that my kids are kids. They're going to throw tantrums. They're not going to cooperate sometimes. I'm not going to sit and pretend that we're perfect and I'm doing it right. And I know there are times I'm doing it so wrong, but I hope to my kids recognize that I fail at some stuff too and lesson learned, let's move on and try again the next day. And mm-hmm. I kind of think that's what life is all about, whether it's parenting mm-hmm. or being a friend to someone or, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to apologize and move forward and just try your best in general. So I hope, you know, my kids at some point recognize, you know, 
overall they got it kind of good. They have a fun mom. I do I'm let so them I'm so glad do a lot. that you're giving this this just a totally human voice because it's like yeah, everybody wants to come out and look like they're the perfect mom doing the perfect thing and they have the perfect kids and the truth is none of us can say that. None of no. us can say that. You know, our we do a good enough job and our children need to see us being human and not being some Stepford totally. wife or some crazy person yeah. and to be able to normalize this again on a on a bigger level than just in a small group of people to be able to to say this out loud, like, you know, peel the veil back on motherhood a little bit and kind of go, you know, this is, it's not all pretty and it's really, really hard and I'm doing my best. Sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes I get it right, but my kids know they're loved and your kids know they're loved yeah. and you are very self-deprecating and I'm so glad Ellie said what she did. No, That's I because, because I'm so are. sorry. Are we so, all? I, I am. Are we I think all? that I, my, uh, so many people like if they were I've got a lot of great qualities but I think one thing people would sort of be sad about about me is my self deprecating yeah. or my self self deprecation yeah. 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 yeah 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 that's that's right <laughs> Uh, that that's uh, although a lot of my humor comes from that so I don't want to lose it too and right. a lot of your humor comes from True. being self deprecating yeah. and also it it sort of creates um it makes other people feel more comfortable around us, perhaps. Especially Although, women. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it, women, it, women need almost, it's sad to say that we need to do that. I know. We almost it need works to do that. Men us. don't need to do that, it but we do. It works for us, but, it works. but unfortunately, um, we sometimes like undercut our yeah. own abilities. <laughs> I know it's my biggest downfall. And I think I, there are times where I'd be like, I'd be so annoyed with her. You know, just because I do cut myself so deep sometimes. You know, I'm my own worst judge and critic. And... Sometimes I'm just like, God, how come I can't like rock and roll? You know, like this <laughs> mom or this. But maybe I am and I just don't know, 100%. you know, I don't you recognize yes, it because yes. I do take a step back. And sometimes I'm like, mm, little pat on the back because guess what? <laughs> you know, my kids are normal, healthy, well-adjusted kids. Yep. Yes. They may be monsters, but <laughs> They're all I wouldn't take it any other way. So. Yeah. They're kids, right? They are. They're kids. And I would like to be a child sometime. Yeah, I know. I want to be a kid again. We'll get to that. I, I have, um, I've just started doing some press for Atomic Moms, and I'm going to be featured with my daughter in an amazing blog called Inspired by This. It's beautiful. And I had to have the first conversation with my husband of what photos would I – allow to be out there mm. because then I started thinking about Pinterest. So it wasn't even like, okay, fine. The photos can be there with my story. But then you're like, no, no, no. It's going to be on strangers like Pinterest boards. Yeah. You know, yes. hopefully if I'm going to flatter myself, yeah. it'll be on other people's Pinterest boards. And she's two and a half. Mm -hmm. And when she looks at that camera, part of what makes those photographs so special is that there's nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it, you can feel her little soul. And so we're talking about, like, what are the boundaries and what am I – I want to get the message out about this podcast and about helping women and mothers. And, and part of that is sort of sharing a little bit of my own family. Mm -hmm. But we're trying to figure out the boundaries. So, Stephanie, yeah. what was the discussion mm -hmm. that you had with your husband about allowing mm -hmm. cameras into your home? This was a very long <laughs> discussion, like a year long. Um, it wasn't something that we took lightly. 
I think our biggest fear in sharing our lives was how it was going to affect our children because they are everything and our number one. I mean, me and Ron together first, then our children. So, and I knew that I put myself out from almost my entire life and I am very thick skinned and I've heard it all and I'm okay, but what are they going to say about my children? And then will they hear it on the playground and they're getting older and will it embarrass them? So we really, really talked about it and it's scary. It was the one wild card. And because doing a docu-series like this, you have no control over editing. You do have control over what you allow them to film and what you say, but we do know that magic editing can um, insinuate things. So we just said, you know, we outweighed everything and we thought this is a really great opportunity. The number one reason was I have the utmost respect for Jill. And because I had spent three, four years in a mommy group with her, I knew if this is something Jill's doing and Jen's doing, I I feel much better because I respect them and they have a real business and you know this is their reputation. This isn't a joke. Here's the thing I want people to know about our show is that this is not this is real. And yes, there's drama and there's fun, but it's real and all of us all the moms on the show really really opened up and shared and and the children as well and you know I was okay with it's funny the first episode my children do look like they look so good. <laughs> that great in the car we're not i mean we do write a lot of songs in the car i'm not gonna lie Wait, but, and, what, and what was leah's <laughs> phrase about like walk slowly talk talk long? yeah uh um walks slow. t- talk lowly walk slowly or something like that. Talk, talk, i know but like I love it. but you know it's i was laughing because watching it and now you know a couple years later i know these women better and their children and everybody's children's are children are amazing and i'm i digress i'm kind of moving forward from your question but but I was concerned and I am very happy so far with what I've seen in my children. They're not always that great. I do. I do believe that they're monsters sometimes. And I get what (laughs) Megan's saying. You're just like the comedy relief and it's true. And I hope it makes women sitting there go, yeah, my kids like that too. Um, We talk to our children about it. We ask them how they felt. I mean, there are there are children. There's Stephanie, Fair, Stephanie and Ron Fair's children. So they're like, we love. I mean, they love cameras. <laughs> they're like all about it. My kids want their own YouTube shows. They're like, <laughs> they're 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 you know they're really creative souls. So it, it's kind of un. It's natural, and I know it's not natural to be natural, but they forgot about the cameras and they yeah. were themselves. And I'm so happy. How could you do a show about motherhood without showing the children? Yeah. And they're really funny, and they kind of bring us back to reality. Definitely. Okay, Stephanie, I feel like yes. the headline for the pilot episode. Okay. Here, I know it's you coming. You know it's coming. Yes. It's the latch on the door with the kids. Yes. Okay, so first I want to ask you, Okay. Uh, what, how did you come up with that? <laughs> well, honestly, my situation is not the normal situation. I live in an 8,000 square foot home, and me and Ron, our bedroom is on top floor and the children's bedrooms are two floors below. So when I had a two, three and a four year old all out of cribs, like wanting to get out of the rooms and roam around at night. And 
I tried the gates. I even talked about this with with Jill and, and baby group. I had the gate. My kids jumped over the gate. Um, I didn't want to do the tent, which I don't even think they do anymore, which seemed creepy to me. Yeah. So talk about creating claustrophobia. Yes. <laughs> so honestly, this decision was truly 100% only to keep my children safe. And I know it's unorthodox and I know people think like, what about a fire hazard? Well, I have like f- the top of the line fire, you know, alarms. Right. And I, I was have, thinking when I saw that, yeah. uh, people writing about that, I saw, you know, my daughter She's luckily has not officially climbed out of the crib yet. Mm-hmm. Although this is my, uh, I'm going to admit this as a parent. She put a leg over once. So uh-huh. I got, I dragged out a big uh, cushy mat, which might help that yes. first fall. You know, people, <laughs> but I'm not ready to get rid of <laughs> the crib yet. Um, but we also have the little door handle thing. So she, she can't get out anyway. It doesn't even matter if it was latched or not. She can't get out. Right. And it's a hook and eye. So it really is. It's not like this, like padlock. Like I've been locking my kids in and it's a very interesting thing. Once we put the latch on Ellington first, because he's our oldest, he actually felt safe. And you hear in the first episode him say, did you latch the door? So it made them feel safe. I felt safer knowing that because ki- kids can be stealth and quiet. And even though, you know what I mean? So what if I'm in a deep sleep mm-hmm. and my kids roaming around the house at night? That was way more dangerous than the latch. So I just want people to know. And I wrote about, I wrote a blog on my website explaining it to people because I knew people were, right. you know, Definitely getting their it. panties in a twist. Fun twist. A wad. Right. <laughs> and it is, and I get it. It is unusual, yeah. but it was literally my last resort because I tried everything else and I had at the time three kids mm-hmm. under four. That's amazing. So, and now all my, you know, Ellington, Ella and London don't have latches anymore, but Rocky does because he's right. three and he just got a big boy bed. And that kid would be like roaming through the house. <laughs> I love it. Jill, as a pediatric sleep consultant, yeah. what were your thoughts when you first heard about the latch or did you guys discuss this before? Cause you guys had been in group before, you know, I, I Remember talking with Stephanie about the gate. Mm -hmm. And normally what we do in a situation like this is when children are um, in beds and they want to come out of the room at night, we will often put an extra tall mountable safety gate on the door because we don't want them to push it and have it collapse. We want it to be extra tall so they can't climb over it and can't get hurt. And the main reason that we do it is for safety. It is for, and we, we frame it that way to the child. We say, we're going to put this safe gate at your door, just like we would at the top of the stairs to keep you safe and cozy in your room at night so that you don't walk around the house and get a boo-boo. Okay. So it's the same exact thinking. I think Steph's problem was that, was it Ellington? Mm -hmm. Ellington climbed the gate. And so she didn't have a choice. You know, it was like she had to keep Mm -hmm. this child safe and contained in his room. He wasn't scared. That's another huge thing. Not scared. Right. And that's the thing. Her kids are not scared of sleeping in their rooms. And look, I have known Stephanie for a while. She was one of the mothers that I actually had worked with in the past before we did our group, um, this current group. And I just trust her judgment a thousand percent. I really do. Um, <clears throat> I know, Stephanie, that w- you also say uh, that your marriage comes first. Yeah. That you prioritize your partner uh, and then your children 
come after that. Yes. And so I'd like to talk about that for mm-hmm. a minute. Uh, but let me ask Jill first, what suggestions do you have for us in sort of putting our partners first or kid-proofing our marriage? Baby-proofing, yeah, or child-proofing. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I love, I've always loved Stephanie. I just want to say this first. I've loved Stephanie's presence in a group of moms because she was actually married before. Mm-hmm. Um, she went through a divorce. She knew kind of how that went down. She did not have children at the time, but she was always able to share a unique perspective with other mothers in the room who were very, very child-centered Naturally, you know, um, about the importance of not letting that completely go and really, really prioritizing your relationship. And the truth is that when parents, you know, are loving toward one another and they stay together, it gives children this, a sense of security and a sense of of peace that is just the most important thing. It just, it's so, so, so important for children really. So when people think, oh, put your husband first, it's like, that's actually going to do, if it's within reason, it's going to do quite a lot for your children. Um, and that's a big theme on the show. Um, so one of the things I have a million tips, so forgive Please. me. Why? <laughs> Every mother just like, Okay. I mean, my overarching view is that, um, you know, I've been married for 23 years. I'll be, it'll, in May, it'll be 23 years. Okay, you're to, 23 years old. So thank you. Impossible. Yeah, I was she, seven. Benjamin Button. <laughs> she um, I think part of, part of kind of feeling and staying young is because of my husband. My husband's a kid in a lot of ways. He's an amazing father. He's an amazing partner. But we have made sure over time to really keep our relationship a priority. And it's, you know, look, we've had our ups and downs and times where things are really crunchy and we disconnect for a while, but one of us will kind of raise the red flag and be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're, we've been really disconnected for the last three months, like we need to do something, we need to go away or we need to do more, like, more consistent date nights again or whatever it is. Um, but I think that this starts with a philosophy and the philosophy has to be child, just being completely solely child-centered is exhausting as an individual for a mother and a father, for both individuals. It is depleting on a relationship because you have no energy left for your relationship. Um, And therefore it backfires on kids. And I see, I can't tell you how many families I've seen with who I thought was like the perfect mom, you know, like perfect mom, perfect dad, you know, sort of storybook situation. And I find out that they're getting divorced later and their kids are falling apart. And because of they were sort of overly child-centric to the point where, you know, they couldn't have a conversation with their kids being awake. They had to wait until the 10 o'clock bedtime they allowed them to have until they could actually say hi, good night, and then go to sleep. So in terms of tips, try to treat your marriage like it's one of the most important, like it is the most important relationship in your life. Okay. It's not necessary to go away for two weeks at a time or to, you know, have your kids sit quietly for two hours so that you and your husband can have time together or whatnot. But little things go a long way. Even I always joke with my groups out here, like even if you just go to the local Best Western and just like sleep in the next morning okay. and order junk food. But what you if know, your spouse is a, like has anxiety about leaving your child for a night? Which happens in, you know, it happened. One. Yeah, it happened in your situation, Megan's situation too. Um, I think your spouse also needs to understand 
the importance of you guys staying connected. And if it's not one of the, one of the tips is, is the way you communicate to one another is, is critically important. And one of the big mistakes mothers and fathers make a lot of the time is they charge in and attack each other. You know, you know, we should really, we haven't even spent any time together and I don't even love you anymore. You know, and that kind of thing. (laughs) Instead of saying something like to your husband, let's say, you know, Hey, I've been thinking about it and I really miss you. And I miss us and I miss kind of our old identity, like even before we had kids. And and there are things that can help remind you of that, like looking at old photo albums. If you have albums, I have albums. Um, (laughs) You're looking on your computers, Um, watching your wedding video again, going out with friends that don't have kids that were your old friends from a long time ago. My husband and I love Radiohead. We go to every Radiohead (laughs) concert, like full on, you know, psyched about it. Um, you know, so, so staying in touch with that child side, with that old identity side, um, is really important. And if your husband isn't game, I think you've got to speak from your heart and you've got to say, you know, I love our family and I love our family life and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I do miss you and I, and we have to figure out a way for us to sort of reconnect. And if you can't do it on your own, you go to a therapist or you go to a counselor, you go to somebody that can help you sort of, you know, be that mediator to sort of get get you there. To jump on that, yeah. um, I know just from Facebook mom groups that I'm in, like private groups where moms are always talking about how they've joined couples therapy. I mean, I've heard more moms in the past two years talk about couples therapy than I've ever heard in my life. And I mm-hmm. feel like, uh, I don't know if that's just because once you have a child, it, <laughs> it becomes uh, more necessary or if there is... A, a shift happening where people are more willing to go uh, to a safe place to sort of talk about their problems. Is what would you say to uh, a mother or a father where their spouse is resistant to that? How can you convince somebody to do that? To go into therapy, yeah. to have their spouse go into therapy yeah, with them, like that. This idea that it's not sort of a shame or that it, full thing, or that it's not. Um, I think a lot of people are afraid that if you go to couples therapy, then suddenly that means that your relationship is like headed for the tank. Luckily, that percep- that perspective, that perception is shifting a lot. I think that therapy is becoming more and more and more of a normalized situation. And I think that more people, not all, but especially in Los Angeles, I know that much, um, more people are very, very comfortable going in. And it's so proactive on the part of the couple to do that before things get really, 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 really nasty. And like I say on the show, you know, babysitting is far cheaper than divorce attorneys. Yes. Therapy is also <laughs> far cheaper than divorce attorneys. So if you're worried, worrying about the money, I mean, there, there's a way you can go to your church or your synagogue or whatever it is and talk to even a rabbi or a pastor or whoever. Um, if you're, if you're, I mean, it happens all the time that people are, um, especially men can sometimes be like, oh, we don't need therapy or I'm not going to go to a therapist. And again, I really believe ultimately if a marriage is challenged enough that a mom has to speak from her heart and not put have that man put up that defensive wall by saying sort of, I know it sounds cliche, but sounding, you know, saying like, I really need us to be able to talk to somebody together. I'm really feeling sad and I'm really feeling worried and I don't want anything to ever happen to us. I love you and I want us to stay together. I want us to work out our conflict because I think it's also affecting our kids or whatnot. And, um, and you know, look, if someone's resistant to the point where they won't go, then that mother's going to have to do some thinking. You know, she's going to have to go and do some thinking about what that means to her. It's hard. I I know that, I mean, having gone through a divorce without kids, both me and Ron, thank goodness, it made it easier. 
when we got together before we had kids, we did do like pre-therapy, like, and my brother did too, before he got married, it was almost like, let's get the tools. Let's mm-hmm. figure out what is it? Cause I know I, it's in my DNA. I'm passive aggressive. That is my go-to. I'm fine. Everything's great. <laughs> I've got it together. That's me. Everything's fine. I don't need help. I'm good. You know, and that could be seem like, oh, Stephanie's so strong. She's got it together. But it's actually in my life been really bad because I hold it in. I hold it in. I hold it in. I hold it in, and then I explode. And yeah. the better cool. I look on the outside, yeah. usually uh, the more insane I'm feeling on the inside. <laughs> yeah, because I'm trying to, to like, I'm trying to cover up. Yeah, it's that perfection, you know. And I've learned how to. I can feel it when I'm being past gross and then I have to like take a deep breath. And sometimes with Juan, I'll like write it, like I'll write him a little note, write him a note because then my words can't be twisted. This is how I'm feeling. Yep. Good idea. Communication and putting your husband first. What's it, one way that you honor your relationship with and, your spouse? And, and I say this and I know I make, I have a very good way of making things look easy Yes. This is just part of, it's just me, my whole life. But, but it, it, tell me it's, it's not, not easy. It's not. Make the, me feel better the struggle and tell is me. real. I am. It's funny. My horoscope yesterday, <laughs> so ironic. I love horoscopes. I'm like, me too. I believe in the universe is talking to me all the time. But it literally said, I'm a Taurus. It said, Taurus, you are a, you are a, um, a stra- you strategize, you pregame, you, which I do. I have lists, I have boards, I have everything. And they, it, in my horoscope said, this to the outside world looks like, wow, amazing. But you need to take a deep breath and stop trying to plan everything because you might actually be missing great opportunities. Wow. Interesting timing. Yesterday. Interesting timing. And I was like, um, that's really ironic that I'm just about to be premiered on a reality show where I have no control. Oh, my God. So... Um, even when I'm trying to control like the like scheduled like like date night mm-hmm. situation and do you don't... schedule sex? I've just recently had to. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that before, but it's getting crazy. The yeah. kids are getting older and it's getting harder and it's actually been the last couple of months have been really hard for me and Juan to connect because of his work and my work and the kids and not having enough help and me being, you know, stressed out. And I could feel the tension in my passive aggressiveness. And so literally like a couple weeks ago, we had a great talk. And then I've been doing like cute texts and writing. Like last night before the show, I wrote him just a thank you letter because he encouraged me to do the show. He stands behind me. And sometimes I feel like he knows how I feel about him, but I don't really say it because this is another thing I learned. Men need to be told that they're loved and complimented just as much as women do. And I think we forget like some days, like I might think in my head, Oh, Ron looks so handsome, but I don't say it. Mm -hmm. So I've been really conscious about, babe, that shirt looks so good on you. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like giving them that thing that I think women get more, but men need it too. And I learned that from my last, my failed marriage. And so I, I, I schedule date nights I kind of send, it's not like I schedule sex, but I send like emojis, bit emojis are amazing. So I send Wait, the like. do they have like porn emojis? Kind of. They should. Kind of like, there's this one where like, I, you know, my bit emojis laying down and it's like sexy time. So, so like, I'll send the bit emoji where it's like sexy time and then I'll just write dot, 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 you in. You know, oh my God. God. Oh, so, right, right, right. so 
that's kind of like, I'm not like, okay, at 5.35 on yeah. a Tuesday afternoon, we're having yeah. sex. Yeah. No, I do it in a, and then he has, and it's very fun and it's playful and, and um, it's the ebb and flow. And I make those conscious efforts. We do need, we desperately need like a two nights away from the kids. It's been a minute. I'd like to go away at least once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be for a long time, but I think it's so important mm-hmm. because you do get in this rut of just, it's talking about kids or talking about work. Talking about kids, talking about work. Yeah, the oh, scheduling. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. the scheduling. like, when do I need to get this? Yeah, yeah. This you become business partners in a way. Yeah, you know? oh, yeah. And that is not sexy. Yeah. Yeah. There's so nothing sexy, sexy about that. Yeah. And the loss of the spontaneity is really, really hard. Yes. You know, that you yes. can't just like sort of bop out and do your thing anymore. And, and that, that really well, kind of stops. I put yeah. myself, I mean, my he- we negotiate sex like i mean it's kind of more of a joke now just because it was a bad game well it was a bad joke that has turned into something but he will leave <laughs> do you, who gets, wait just does he uh who gets the other perk like do you get the sex and he gets something else or no he, he get gets the sex, the sex wow. and i get the money or the purse oh or whatever you know i mean I love well that's a form of foreplay. You're just kind of doing the pretty woman we, fantasy. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, it. and I'll take it, but I mean we we went with a group of parents. I mean this was several years ago, but there was a joke. There was a big red buzzer and anytime the buzzer went off, whoever grabbed, you know, you had to go just take 10 minutes. I mean, and we were with our best friends, but <laughs> There was a buzzer. It was a big red dick. Yes, and now Dempsey has it in his room. Wait, now I'm confused. Wait, I'm so confused. You were with other parents, and then you guys all took turns having sex in the same house? We're part of this fantastic tribe (laughs) called the Wolf Pack. No, and it's Is this a modern-day key party? (laughs) No. We all love each other, but not to that extent. But no, we were in Palm Springs, and somebody brought like a date, you know, old-fashioned, like ding, 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 buzzer. And if one, if your husband hit it, like he literally got to go hit it oh, <laughs> with my you, God. With, and then everyone else would be like kind of listening or just like go about. Nah, their they day. were all in the pool, and, but I mean, it turned into oh that. Gosh. So now at our house, it's kind of a big joke that. Well, I'm sensing a spinoff show with the Wolf Pack. <laughs> <laughs> well, as much as we all love the Wolf Pack, the Wolf Pack all is very, very private. Just uh-huh. well, not that private, but okay. I hear <laughs> well, you. Yeah, but, you know, it is true. And I learned a lot from, because I am that parent that put my children first. As much as I adore my husband, I mean, we, we don't go out a lot. I mean, if we do, it's family dinner Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the family's traveling to soccer games on the week, you know, I mean, I really got a push from Jill and from the group to, we scheduled and we'd never left our kid other than to have like a baby, you know, in the hospital, we never spent the night away from our kids. And it wasn't that we didn't want to, we just didn't really have anybody to watch our kid. You know, we didn't feel that necessary push to We're good. You know, at the same time that she was sort of describing that in our first meeting, you know, she had also mentioned that Nick was sleeping on the couch because the kids were in bed. And so, you know, it was sort of like there were, there were some things where you, you know, of of course, they're, they they seem good in terms of their relationship to one another, but it was sort of like, wait a minute, you needed triage. Yeah, like, you hold co- on yes, a yeah, yeah, you needed yeah, familial yeah, yeah. triage. Uh-huh. Well, but what was funny is once we spent that one night away, it was like <laughs> ripping off this massive band aid, oh, and yeah. several months later, we left for three weeks to like <laughs> Europe. <laughs> 
I mean, but it now like we a, regularly. It was like a gateway drug. Like, yes, be careful. Exactly. Once you taste it for the night, you're going to ditch the kids so for your. I love it. Refreshing. It I mean, so we refreshing. just. And took, re- like, rejuvenating. Oh, my God. You realize, like, I remember a lot, we went to Napa for four days, three days. It was someone's birthday, so we took an extra day. And it was like, oh my God. We have nothing. I remember you. like yeah. you so much. Yeah. Exactly. Not only that I love you, but like, I like you. You're funny. Yeah. Like, we are so connected and you need to step away. Yeah. Yes. You it's really so do. Important. Because it's impossible. There's just too many distractions and it's nothing against the children. It's just no. there's so many distractions and so much on your to-do list and you are kind of operating this sort of family business in some yeah. ways and just, just step out of that and go out and dress up. I mean, Nick was crying when he yes. saw her. He was when literally he crying yeah. when he well, saw Well, I you know. don't dress up a lot either. So <laughs> that was it's sexy. Probably... It's, it's on the show. Uh, yeah. For those of you who have, have not tuned in yet, uh, you got to see Megan in this sexy black dress. Yes. Yes. Top, she looks beautiful. It was a really pretty dress. But you know what else? I'm sorry, just to um, just say one more thing about that. I also was really um, blown away by you being able to sit at dinner and tell Nick that you need him to come home and want to spend time with you also. It, it wasn't going only in one direction of like Megan's involved in the kids and like, ugh, like, you know, he would come home and be like, I just miss the kids so I, much. And I have personally yes. experienced that a lot. Like right. my, my husband adores our daughter so much and they have such a love affair with each other um, <laughs> that he d- want, you know, he doesn't want to leave her. Yeah. So that was really cool for me to right. watch on the show. The, yeah, that sometimes it's the daddy who's like... Well, I mean, I have a husband who, bless his heart, works his behind... You know, I mean, and he does so happily for our family and for the good of our family. But I get it. Like, he doesn't get the luxury of, like, myself, who's mm-hmm. with the kids 24 he hours a day. Sure. Always. Sure. That's You true. know, so when he comes home, all he wants to do is... Of course. Be with them. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a, taking a yes. little piece of time somewhere, somehow. Maybe it's after he spent the entire day with them Saturday and you've had family day. And then the two of you say, you know what? It's mommy and daddy time right now yeah. for a few hours. You know, it's not, we're not saying abandon your families, no, abandon no. your kids. But just a little piece of that connection goes such a long way. Those little love it's note texts. How long does it take any of us to text your husband for like three seconds and be like, love you, hope you're having a good day? Like, I mean, if you get that from your husband, like thinking about you, how are the kids? Like, how you doing? Miss you. It's just, it's just, it keeps that connection going. It's beautiful. Yeah. Your website, sleepy, your website, sleepyplanet.com is such a great resource for parents. Uh, I was looking at it and I was like, oh my God, I have to interview this person, this person, this person, this person, (laughs) especially your reading list. And um, one of your testimonials, there's a mother that says that you helped her her find her confidence. Mm. And so I know that a lot, uh, you know, I know that the mommy group, part of the purpose of it is to create a safe zone where we can each be our own individual mamas and help each other along the way, but be with people that do things differently from us. I know that there are mothers that are like, Okay, I should be on my like own unique path, but I don't know what that is because there's 50 parenting books, there's mm-hmm. all these experts, mm-hmm. my friends are doing it differently, my in-laws are telling me to do it differently. Mm-hmm. How do you tap into your own motherly intuition and what your own child needs? Because that's the other part. It's like we're all super unique as parents, but then also each child needs mm-hmm. Something different. For sure. For sure. How do we tap into that for ourselves? And then I would love Stephanie to follow up about that also. 
Okay. Um, I mean, that's a big, big question. And I think that at the heart of all of it is, is raising your consciousness around all of this. And the beginning of raising your consciousness around how you want to parent your child is in how you were parented. Um, one of the most important starting points is looking at the relationship that you had with your own parents, with your own mother, your own father, and the effect that that's having on the choices that you feel like you want to make in your own parenting. And that is profound. And sometimes that is worthy of a conversation, not only in a group, but with a therapist, if it was a really heavy situation. Um, Can we send them the bills? Like, is that tacky? <laughs> the therapy <laughs> Once you have your own child and you yes. realize all these issues you had that you weren't even aware that you had. Yeah, which which sucks. I mean, it sucks from the parent's perspective also because you're going like, one day my kids are going to like find some reason to like not like what I did too. Oh, you yeah. know. Oh, but, yeah. oh by the way, Sabrina... Yeah, I should, <sighs> there's going to be a college fund and she'll have a therapy of for course, <laughs> Of course, of course. It's very healthy. But I, <laughs> but um, I do, you know, when, I'm, when I talk about parents with, when I talk about the grandparents with parents, I, I do want to say that m- for the majority of those grandparents, they absolutely did the best that they could do. But they were dealing with the generational legacies that they were carrying on probably at a time where there was a lot less consciousness that we have right now. And that's one of the big, big missions of what Jennifer and I do is not only to just help parents figure this all out, but really to sort of tap into what are you taking from your childhood? What are you trying to fix in your children? And then how far is that pendulum swinging? And we we don't want it to swing from an extreme on this side to an extreme on this side because exactly. extremes are not good. Which I've also seen a lot with my friends growing up. Like they're, they might've had a super hippie mom and then the parents before that were super conservative yeah. or like they were, you know, Supreme Court judges. And then yeah. the, and then suddenly their parents were like on a commune. And then now these kids are like, what the heck am exactly. I taking? Exactly. So yeah, extremes are rough. Extremes so- aren't, are, are generally not good. And so part of the raising of consciousness in our groups or in therapy or however you do that is um, really thinking out loud kind of about that. Like, okay, my mom wasn't there for me. I mean, I'm not using my mom as an example, right. but I'm just saying like if someone's mother wasn't there for them enough, they may be charging into this this parenting journey going, oh my God, I'm never going to let my child feel anything but that I'm always there. And what we see are these hovering helicopter parents that are smothering, that are robbing their children of their own self-confidence and competence because they're stepping in and jumping in to fix every little thing. And they're trying to feel whole. They're trying to feel whole. By like they're trying to fix their pain. Yes. They're trying to fix the pain that they, they're wound from their childhood. And we often do this in marriages as well. We often marry somebody who is going to correct what happened in our childhood, but we're doing this as parents. And I think this is a really, really important part of finding your own identity and sort of going on your own path as a parent based on on what happened before and where you want to go. The second part of it is you have to honor your children's uniqueness. And I think that is very hard for parents, a lot of parents to do, because a lot of parents have an agenda. They have this baby. This baby is going to get into the right preschool. They're going to get into the awesome private school. They're going to go, you know, everything will lead them to heart. They're going to make us look so good. So good. So we can brag to all our friends. And then we will say, it was worth, you know, leaving my career because I put all my A-typeness into this and I have this Harvard graduate now, you know. And the thing is, this kid 
may not be may not fit into that box. And there's so many people that try to put their kids into a certain box rather than saying, this child really loves the arts and is very creative. Like what, what Megan was saying, which is so that is so important for self-confidence for your children. And I can I can I can allow my child to be different than me, to separate than me, to go on their own path. And become something maybe that I wouldn't have chosen me to become, but I love them enough to love their uniqueness and encourage their uniqueness. Yeah. I just was clear that I want my children to grow up and be who they already are. I want to create an environment where they feel safe and feel loved, but they reach their potential. Um, Ron always says, my, you know, I always say, because Ellington is so reminds me, our oldest Ellington reminds me of, of Ron. And I'm always like, oh my God, Ellington is so you. And he's always like, no, I am me and Ellington is, is who he is. And I am also not my, my father and Ellington is not me and I'm not going to mm. pass it on. And sometimes I look at Ella, my one girl, and I get, she frustrates me because she's not me. And I have to remember, she's not going to react the way I would have reacted. And she's, you know, eight and... It's a very interesting um, balancing act that I do check in with myself often because I get, you know, frustrated and then I get the like, well, why did he get that and I didn't get that? Of and course. I of was, course. It's impossible to fair do Fair doesn't perfectly. mean equal. I say Four that kids, a thousand you know? times a day. Fair doesn't mean equal. All right. That's right. You didn't need new shoes. He right. needed new shoes. Right. You're not getting new shoes. My dad would have been like, Stephanie needs new shoes. Mark needs new shoes. We're all getting new shoes. It's like, no. <laughs> you know? I think that it's, it's so fascinating to watch our children. I mean, I don't. I had no idea before I became a parent, like what a crazy psychological experiment it would be for myself. Yes, it pushes buttons It pushes every button. Um, Yeah, going back to my own childhood, you're working on generations Mm. of stuff that's being passed to you and and then you're creating new generations of baggage for the next You're doing this all with so much love and so much intention. And so much intention. Yeah, but it, it also, for me, because I want I'm super into um I'm very passionate about raising my daughter as consciously as I can Mm -hmm. and one funny thing is I grew up as such a people pleaser and also as a performer and always wanting the like Mm -hmm. the applause Mm -hmm. and the approval Mm -hmm. and so I've been so hyper aware of not creating that in my child where I won't say, you know, great job, honey. I try not to say great job, honey. I'll just be like, oh, it looks like you're having a lot of fun doing that, right? right? Or you must be so proud. Yeah. And it doesn't matter (laughs) because she, at this stage, is so funny. She wants the applause for everything. Oh, my God. She will climb a tree. if it's in her. It's in her. And that is so bizarre. We were at soccer yesterday, and she was, like, climbing on this tree trunk, and she stands on top of it, and she goes, look at me. I'm up here. Everybody, look at me. Look at me. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And then that actually uh, gave me sort of this, uh, it made me feel a little better about myself, too. Because I was like, you know what? This is in her. We are not cultivating this in right. her. This There's is just some a of this part stuff of who that's she is. Part of your temperament, character, and, and part of whatever. Her temperament. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, my God. 
part of this is just part of my temperament. And it's not just, it's not because I've judged myself. I've been like, is this because I feel like I'm lacking something and that's why I'm going after this? Or I wasn't given enough attention? It's like, no, maybe it's also just like in my DNA. It's just in my temperament. Oh my God, Ella. I mean, as much as I don't want my children, you know, I want them to be lawyers or doctors or I don't even know. (laughs) Rather than like, almost rather than work at like Starbucks, I really would. And be consistent and know when the paycheck is and how many hours. Care about their looks. They're all, they're all wanting to. Yeah, exactly. With Ella, they're all so creative, and they're all on their own path, Mm -hmm. and they all have their own temperaments. And I remember in um, not this um, mommy group, but my mommy group from years ago, because I'm the mom who would be like, "That's amazing! You're amazing! That's amazing!" (laughs) Like I can't control it. Like amazing. It's hard to control. And I remember Jill would be like, "Well, when you're looking at her photo, instead you should say like." I really love the way you use the color pink. So sometimes I, I hear Jill in my head, another pearl wisdom. And, and as I'm like, oh my God, that picture's amazing. That is really unique perspective on a tree. I love that. Or, and tell, tell me about yes, this drawing. What made you draw? Yes. That yeah, just, I'm like, really fast. Like, can you give us a, qu- a couple quick tips of what we can say to our children so that we yeah, are and validating them guys, without I, I, making I was, them? Yeah, we, into, like, we, we're not going to not validate our kids. And again, the thing that I I don't like in what's going on in parenting for the last bunch of years is how completely anal we've gotten about the rules of every little thing. And yeah. I don't want to make people feel that way. So I will say that out loud. Um, at the same time. I think it's easy it's easy enough to train yourself to just know that descriptive praise as opposed to general oh my god you're this you're that you're amazing it's so it it, it isn't genuine like descriptive praise if I say to you Ellie oh my god you're the best podcaster you're just so great versus you ask such interesting questions you allow yourself to be vulnerable yourself as an interviewer which is a beautiful thing what feels better Of course it does. (laughs) Of course it does. Because it's genuine and it's specific and descriptive. And so we want with our children to be specific and descriptive about what we see. Also, we want to be looking at effort as much as possible and saying, even if our children work their butt off and got a C minus on that test or whatever, right. we if yes. we saw them, you know, really working their best, we, you know, honey, they might be sad about it because they compare each other in school and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But for us to be able to say, you know, I know because I saw it, you worked so hard, you gave that everything, and. You know, again, you can feel really good about that because and, effort is... And that's how they get self-confidence. Yeah. Right, I've seen that in my right. kids. Like, my oldest son had a really hard time with spelling. And then he worked really, really hard. And he got, like, now he's rocking and rolling. <laughs> and he's got 15 out of 15. And he, I literally said, how does that make you feel? And he goes, I feel, I feel so good, Mom. Oh. I feel so good. And I said, you should because you worked really hard. Thank you guys so much for sharing your personal journeys with us, with your stories, your imperfections. Um, And I can't thank you guys enough, especially the day after the premiere, to come all the way over here to my (laughs) home and to sit with me and to share this with all of our listeners. We super, super appreciate it. And we can't wait to follow the rest of the season. Yay. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you do. Yes. Yes. Thank you, guys. Okay, listeners, subscribe on iTunes. uh, Continue the conversation with us on Atomic Moms social media. And until next week... Trust in your goodness, live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. Mm-hmm.